Last Sunday we started a new series, What Every Christian Needs to Do. You think about how we live, you and I, uh, I don't know about you, I'm a creature of habit and, and I, get, I, get, I get used to certain things and then when, when things kind of get out of the ordinary, I, I, don't, I don't always do well with change. Is anybody here that just really likes constant change and different? Probably, probably not. <laughs> most, of us are, most of us are creatures of habit. I know uh, uh, I went to, uh, went to London a few years ago and, and, and you get on a new sleep schedule and a whole new routine and, and I got back and it was weeks before I could sleep till 7 o'clock and my body just got in a whole different rhythm. There's just things that we get, that we get used to. I get used to a certain order of worship and if they change it, it doesn't matter how many times they tell me, I'm still going to get up at the wrong time. I mean, we're just creatures of, creatures of habit. And one of the things about our, our culture today, I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but we are perhaps one of the most consumer-driven cultures ever. I mean, everything in, our, in American society today is about directing marketing and, and efforts toward meeting the desires and needs of consumers so that they'll choose to come to your, to your business. You know, there used to be a time when you went and places had 15-cent hamburgers, right? Now they got like 30 different hamburgers, and if you don't like one of those, they'll make one that's exactly however you ask. You can, you can get it made to order. Used to, that was a big deal when Wendy's had made to order hamburgers, and now anybody will make it to order. Everything in our culture is driven by our wants and our desires. We can just get things the way that we, the way that we want them. Well, I think that people in America have become used to that. We've become used to receiving things however we desire to receive them. And so it bleeds into all different areas of our life. And one of the areas of our life that it bleeds into is, is the church. People approach, your, approach the Christian faith in the same way. Thinking about, I, I'll have a, a side of this and a little bit of that, but I'm going to leave this part out because I don't really like that part. And so we think about, not, not even really realizing or intentional about it, it's just it's kind of what we got used to, it's how we've become to live. We start approaching the Christian faith as taking the things that we want, and leaving the things that seem less desirable. And our culture today so much encourages individualism that many people today are trying to create their own way in which to worship and to, and to serve God. And there's certainly things that are, that are flexible. There's things that, that aren't necessarily biblical, like, like our, our individual cultural context. You know, it doesn't really matter. The style of a song and those kind of things, it doesn't really make any difference. But there are other things that are prescribed by Scripture that are just a part of worship. And so when we begin to think about the Christian faith, there's, there's a way in which God has called us to live this faith. There's very specific instructions about many different things. And that's why I've entitled this series, What Every Christian Needs to Do. Because there are things that you and I, if we're going to be believers, that we need to do. They're, they're not things that are like, you know, extra credit for people that are super serious about the faith. They're, they're essentials for everybody. And last week we talked about the Lord's Supper, that, that every Christian needs to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so today we're talking about baptism. And you see, every Christian needs to be baptized like, like Jesus. This is, this is a very important part of our faith, following the Lord in baptism. And so in the church, there are two things that we often refer to as, as ordinances because these are things that God has ordained as symbols and, and ordered us to do. And one is the Lord's Supper and the other is baptism. 
you think about baptism, baptism is a picture of the work of Christ in our lives. It's also a part of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, this is Jesus giving his final instructions to the apostles before he ascended into heaven. And here's what he told them. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And notice the next part. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we think about the Great Commission, if I were to ask people today, what, what is the Great Commission? Many people would remember the go part. They would say, well, we're supposed to go. Many people might remember the make disciples part and say, well, we're supposed to make disciples. But probably for a lot of us, we, our minds don't automatically go to this area of baptism. But that's just as much a part of the commission. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is a central part of what it means to follow Christ, is to be baptized, to lead others to be disciples, and then for them to be baptized as well. So Romans chapter 6 is the passage that we're looking at today. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, as Paul talks about the, this beautiful picture of baptism. So I want to ask you, would you join me in standing as we read this together? Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 3. The Bible says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Well, let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand why we need to be baptized, and what it means. And Lord, I pray if there's any person here that's never understood this, I pray today they make the decision to follow through and to be baptized like Jesus was. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the Bible has an awful lot to teach us in the New Testament about baptism. And one of the things that the Bible teaches us is that baptism is for believers. I want you to know that every baptism that took place in Scripture was in response to someone's faith. If you go through and you read the New Testament, you'll find that every single person that was baptized was baptized as a result of them coming to faith and professing their faith. And so baptism is for, well, it's for adults. It's for adults who believe. It's for students. It's for students who believe. It's for children. It's for children who who believe and who've come to faith in Christ. So we think about what it means to be a follower of Christ in the most basic sense that means that, well, we're to follow. And so there are certain things that's particular to Jesus and who he is as the Son of God, but there are other things that Jesus did that we are to imitate, and there are some things that Jesus did for the sole purpose of giving us a model to imitate, and so it was with baptism. Jesus did not need to be baptized, but yet he was baptized as an example for us. And so the Bible tells us about when Jesus was a baby, and just after he was born, his parents, who were devout believers and followed God's scripture, they did everything according to the scriptures. And so the Bible tells us about this in Luke, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. It's a little bit of a long passage, but I want you to hear what happened when Jesus was a baby. It says in verse 21, 
And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. And the, the, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, and I want you to notice that it says according to the law of Moses, so they were following the scripture. The law is the first five books of the Bible, by the way. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. <clears throat> As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the, the parents brought in the child Jesus, notice this phrase, to do for him according to the custom of the law. So, so this is the third time the scriptures emphasize that they are doing everything the scripture requires them to do for their child. It says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything, notice what this sentence, this sentence says. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Well, the reason that we, we read those 19 verses from Scripture, that long passage, is because that passage details everything that would happen as Jesus was a baby and was brought and was dedicated at the temple. And the Bible says there, it emphasizes over and over again that his parents did everything according to the law. But do you notice there's something that's missing there? Jesus was not baptized. Jesus would later be baptized as an adult. So Jesus was baptized as an adult, not, not sprinkled as a child. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, tells us about this time in his life when he was baptized by John the Baptist. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now. For thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And when he consented, uh, and then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. 
and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So the Bible says that Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, I, I don't need to be baptizing you. You should baptize me. And, and Jesus says, this is something I have to do. He says, to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus, who had no need to be baptized, and John the Baptist, the, the prophet, the man that the Bible says there's none greater born among women than John the Baptist, he looks at Jesus and he says, I, I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus, who had no need to be baptized, was baptized for our sake so that we might see his example and follow him. All throughout Scripture, the emphasis is on baptism as a response to belief. Mark 16, 16, listen to what it says. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Do you notice what it says? Whoever believes and is baptized. John 4, 1 through 2, it tells us about baptism that was taking place in the New Testament time. And it says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Do you notice who they were baptizing? It says they were baptizing more disciples. Disciples are the one that they were baptizing. People who had come to faith and believe and accept that he was the Messiah, and then they were baptized in response to their faith. Acts 2, 37 38. It says, now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see what he says? Peter said, Repent and be baptized. Once again, we see that baptism is something that takes place after we come to repentance and of faith. Acts 2, 41. I'll give you one more example. Acts 2, 41, it says, So those who received the word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So you see what it says? Those who received his word. Those are the ones who were baptized. So baptism is something that should take place once we come to faith in Christ. And after having made the choice to follow the Lord Jesus, then we are baptized. The Bible also gives us a way in which baptism is to take place. The Bible says, it actually uses the word baptize, which means, that word actually means to immerse or dip under. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but baptism is not an English word. It's actually a, a Greek word. In fact, the, the Greek is uh, baptismo. And so when, many years ago, when the King James translators were translating the Bible, when they came to that word, instead of translating it, they simply left it in the original language and transliterated it. That is, when you just simply change the letters from one language to the other. Because during their days, people were, people were practicing sprinkling. People have been sprinkling for a really long time in different, different groups, different churches. But the Bible doesn't teach this. You won't find anybody that was sprinkled in the Bible. The Bible uses the word that means to immerse or to dip under. And we see this in every mode of baptism that took place in the New Testament. 
For example, John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized in the Jordan River because he needed enough water to immerse people. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 23, as it's describing this, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem. Here's why. Because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. Well, you don't need plentiful water source in order to sprinkle people. You just need barely a little bit of water. But John was immersing people. Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible talks about this Ethiopian eunuch that was reading the scriptures when Philip came upon him in his chariot. And he began to, to explain the Old Testament to him and how the prophets pointed to Jesus. And as this, this Ethiopian, as he came to believe what Philip was saying, and he came to faith, he said, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And so the Bible says that, that at that moment that they were baptized. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 8, verses 36 through 39, it says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And I want you to notice what it says here. And they both went down into the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39, <clears throat> listen to what it says. And when they came up out of the water. Well, if you're going to sprinkle, you don't have to go down into the water, nor do you need to then come back up out of the water. But they went down in the water because they were baptized by immersion. The Bible also tells us about Jesus. We read this earlier, but I want you to notice the language. I didn't point it out to you earlier, but I want to point it out to you now. Verse 16. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately... He went up from the water. He went up from the water. You see, in John's day, when, when people were baptized, they would confess their sins publicly. But Jesus didn't have any sins to confess, so immediately he comes up out of the water. Well, I know this morning we have read through a lot of scriptures, but I wanted to show you those passages because for many of us today, our theology is not based upon scripture. It's based on something that we heard somebody say or something we saw on a TV show or something that just seems right. But if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to follow the Scripture that He has given us. And when we look at the Scripture, we see over and over and over again that baptism is for people who come to faith in Christ. You repent, you believe, and then you are baptized. And then we also see that when people are baptized, they're baptized by immersion. That is, they go under the water and they come back up out of the water. And the reason that this is so important is because baptism is a symbol. And so we go back to our passage today, Romans 6, 3 through 4, and I want you to notice what it says again. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? His death. So baptism is a picture of the death of Christ. It says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when you think about this, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection 
of Christ. It's also a picture of us putting to death an old way of life and rising to walk in newness of life. And so sprinkling does not in any way provide a symbol of this. This is why when we baptize people, we take them, we dip them under the water, and then we raise them back up out of the water because it's a picture of Christ being buried and then rising to life. It's a picture of us choosing to follow him and putting to death our old way of life and rising to walk in a newness of life. So it's a beautiful symbol that God has given us. And that's why it's important that we do it in the way in which we do it because these elements represent something. And when we come to understand what they represent, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. You know, the Bible says about the Lord's Supper that every time that we celebrate it, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is, when we come to understand it and we celebrate it with other people who understand it, when we celebrate that supper, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. And friend, I believe that when we celebrate baptism, we're proclaiming the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ till he comes. We're celebrating that Jesus still changes people's lives. As we see that picture of people putting to death the old way of life and rising to walk in newness of life. Whenever people get baptized, I explain it to them like this, that baptism is a picture of two things. It's a picture of what Christ did for them in that he died for them and he rose from the dead so that they might have life. So it's a picture of what Christ did for them. And it's also a picture of what he has done in them. As they have put to death their old way of life. And are now going to rise to a new way of life. So baptism, baptism is a symbol. It's a picture that God gives us. And that's why it's so important that out of obedience we do this. And we do it in the way in which God has directed. And I hope today that every time that you see a baptism from now on, that you'll be reminded that Christ died for you and that he rose from the dead so that you might have life. I hope that every time that you see a baptism, you can celebrate that somebody has come to faith in Christ and is repenting. And they're putting to death their old way of life. And they're rising to walk in newness of life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this beautiful symbol that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful and obedient to use it to proclaim your son's death, burial, and resurrection until he comes. Father, I pray if there's any person here today that's never understood this before. Father, I pray today you give them the courage, the courage to follow through and to be baptized like Jesus was baptized. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know that the Bible teaches us that, that every single one of us have a problem. That's why Jesus died. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I doubt that you understand all that that means. I'm, I'm constantly understanding more about it, what it means. But when I was nine years old, I knew enough to realize I needed the Lord. And I put my faith and my trust in him. And he forever changed my life.
And I want you to understand that that same promise is available to you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I want to urge you today, if you're trusting in anything other than Jesus to get you to heaven, would you give all of that up this morning and just put your faith and trust in him? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay a penalty that he did not earn so that you and I could receive a gift that we do not deserve. And this morning, if you were to ask God for forgiveness, he would hear your prayer and he would forgive you. Maybe you're here today and you've already taken that step. When people come forward on Sunday morning and they share about how they've accepted Christ, I always tell them the very next step is to follow the Lord in baptism. Baptism is the means that God has given us to proclaim our faith to the church. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I want to urge you, as we begin to sing, would you just pray and call out to the Lord? If you'll pray in sincerity, he will hear you and he will answer your prayer. Today, your eternity could be forever altered by one decision to trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe here today and you made a decision to follow Christ at some time. Maybe one day I gave the invitation and you just prayed in your seat. But you never have publicly professed Christ through baptism. I want to encourage you today to make a decision to be baptized. As we sing, I'm going to be standing at the front. If you have a decision that you need help with, I want to urge you to walk out of your seat. Come, I'll do my best to answer your questions. I'll pray with you. I'll encourage you. This church will celebrate with you. So friend, whatever you need to do, let's do it now as we sing. Let's stand together.